Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Tinker Talks. I am your host, Mark Hybers, joined alongside today by April McDonald from Public Affairs. Hello, April. Hello. Good to see you again. Thanks. Um, and today we are talking to the 507th Air Refueling Wing Commander, Colonel Michael Parks. Um, and we're really excited about this podcast because we've been meaning to get up here to talk to our Okie friends for a while, uh, and it just hasn't fit into the scheduling. Um, but we'd want to talk to Colonel Parks about what the reserve is, um, what a citizen airman is, and what they bring to the total force fight. So, Colonel Parks, thank you so much, sir, for taking time out of your day to join us. Thanks, Mark. Thank you, April, for having me. Awesome. And so, um, jumping right in, we'll start with a tough one. Uh, maybe you could just tell our audience a little bit about you, uh, where you came from, how you got to this point. So, Mark, first of all, I, I hope my team told you that I'm going to take you well off script. So we uh, might as well just start this right now. So first of all, thank <laughs> you for having me. And uh, my team tells me that you have somewhere between zero and a million followers on this podcast. So I want to <laughs> congratulate both of you, first of all, for, for having that robust audience of somewhere between zero and a million. It, it, it is quite impressive. It's factually and, correct. Too, <laughs> and also, I, I was told there's going to be ferns, that I was going to be in between uh, the ferns. But uh, now I, I really don't know what to do with my hands so I'm, I'm a little confused as we start but i'll try to work through this so right, perfect i have <laughs> keys if you want to jingle them. <laughs> sorry i didn't mean to take you off script already no um worries. so michael parks uh, i am just your your typical active duty uh air force officer i uh, started at the air force academy way back when in, in 1993 and uh, uh started flying c5s to start out with loved the c5 what a what a great piece of machinery when you got it airborne right um, little tougher to drive on the ground, a little tougher maintenance-wise, but uh, fantastic to fly. And then you got to fly some Gulf Streams out in Hawaii. It was a, a tough four and a half years living out in Hawaii. The, uh, really a hardship. I, I took one for the, the Air Force team being there for so long, but love flying the, the Gulf Stream. And what, a, what an amazing opportunity to live in Hawaii. I, I don't think I, I could afford to live out there unless I was on the Air Force dime. So it was it was fantastic and then transitioned into the mighty KC-135. So I went from the, the 2003 model to the, the 57 model. So a little bit of a, a change, <laughs> uh, fly-by-wire being electronic to fly-by-wire being a wire. Uh, but I have, uh, I've been in awe of what our, our airmen, both active duty reserve and guard, do with the KC-135 to, to enable global operations. It, it's incredible. Uh, our maintainers, our pilots, our boom operators, how we keep this aircraft airborne and flying every day. Uh, I got to spend some time in the Pentagon. Um, again, it was it was a tough duty assignment. I was the Australia and New Zealand country director. Wow. So they, they forced me to go to country uh, about six times per <laughs> year. So I had to fly to Australia and New Zealand and, and drink their Shiraz and eat their lamb. And uh, just being on the, the Paul Mill side and the foreign military sales, getting to see a whole different aspect uh, of our Air Force. I uh, got to go downrange to the 379th Air Expeditionary Wing in Al-Udeed for a year, and uh, I got a, a true respect uh, of what our total force can do when we, we all combine in one location and have a, a singular objective. Just seeing the, the amount of combat air power at one location, there was more when I was there, there was more than most countries had when we talk about Air Force uh, combat air power. Uh, got to go over to Mildenhall for a couple of years and, and command uh, KC-135 unit and, and be on more on the, the tip of the spear as we were looking at uh, Russian deterrence at that point. And then over to the USAFE staff, so five total years over in Europe and got a, a very good respect for what they bring to the fight and what they do day to day. 
and then uh, got to join the Total Force team at Seymour Johnson and, and help nice. usher in the, the KC-46. Awesome. And then uh, had a, a chance of a lifetime to become and become an Oki. And for for anybody to become an Oki, it's, uh, it's an honor. For an active duty person to become an Oki, even more of an honor. So I'm just happy to be here and, and join the, the Oki family. That's very cool, sir. Thank you. And uh, I, I, you definitely went from a different airframe, that C-5. I've I have been in the back of a KC-135 and refueling uh, a C-5, and it's a different kind of feeling back there when one of those things kind of flies up on the tail end. There's, it's, you know it. It's impressive. Um, <laughs> yeah. the, the bow wave that, that comes from a C-5 as it approaches a 135, it can move the 135 around. It's, <laughs> yeah. a, it's a monster of a machine, but I'll tell you, it is easy to fly. When, when I compare airframes flying, mm -hmm. the C-5 is so much easier to fly than the 135. Uh, again, uh, the, the older aircraft, much sleeker, much faster. The C-5, just you put the aircraft where you want and it stays there. The 135, you're, you're always having to manipulate it. It's a long, slow turn. It, it is, <laughs> it is. That's incredible. So, sir, why the move to the reserves? What was What prompted that coming out of active duty over here? Uh, an absolute... Um, opportunity so as i was sitting at seymour we were in a uh, uh an integrated wing so instead of having um, the reserve on one side and the active duty on the other side there was a singular chain of command and so i got to see what total force really looked like right. with a reserve wing commander commanding active duty members um while i was there i I got to see a little bit of the reserve culture and understand what the reserve citizen airmen go through to not only um be productive citizens in their local community, mm -hmm. but also serve globally in the Air Force. And when uh, Brigadier General Pennington, the 4th Air Force Commander, asked if I had any interest in leading one of his reserve wings, I jumped at it and I told him, wherever you need me, I'll go. So after a year and a half of being at Seymour, we, we came out here to tinker. So um, to be honest, it, it is an absolute honor for an active duty person to, to be leading a reserve wing. And it provides a whole different perspective. As we go to the total force fight, it, it brings a different perspective than my other active duty counterparts for sure. And probably a very good one. And Are you the first active duty? Uh, as far as I, I know. I think um, so, right? They may yeah. never have one again, but I, I think <laughs> I am. I might be the first and only, but no. Uh, I, I think I am the first. It's it's a little bit more commonplace now. Uh, there's a, a couple of us out there uh, commanding reserve wings. It's not overly common, but I am not the only uh, active duty wing commander of reserve wing right now. Right. Awesome. And so um, is this your actual first command? So I've been uh, a commander at the squadron level, okay. but this is my, my first, first 06 wing. command. Awesome. Yes. Well, good. Awesome. Well, we're, we're sure happy to have you. Thank you. So you talked about citizen airmen. What is a citizen airman? Wow, um, that is a that is a great question, and I don't think I would have ever been able to tell you that uh, before showing up at Seymour and seeing the the citizen airman. Um, there, there's an easy definition. It's it's obviously a, a reservist or a guardsman that has uh, civilian employment as well as their military employment, but it's so much more complex than that. Uh, when I think of a citizen airman, I think of my um, medical squadron commander. He's uh, an ER doctor downtown serving at five different ERs in, in the Oklahoma City area. Wow. So he works every day, and, and obviously with COVID now, he's working a lot more than I think he ever wanted to do. But, but he serves in those five ERs on a day-to-day -day basis. 
Then when it comes to our, our drill weekends, our UTA weekends, um, he puts on a uniform and comes and commands uh, his squadron and leads them in um, reserve activities, drill activities. Now, he could still be working at the ER that day. He could still be making a lot of money that day. And instead, he chooses to lose more money than actually he would be making money wearing that uniform. So he does it because he enjoys being a part of the military. He enjoys it because it's it's service to him. So th that's what a reserve citizen airman is. It is a person that wants to serve their country, sometimes at the, the expense to their civilian job, sometimes at the expense to their family, but they feel they need to continue service, that that their, their civilian job doesn't completely fulfill them, that there's something still open in their heart and in their mind that they can only get by wearing the uniform. That's a reserve citizen airman. Right, and that makes them very unique. Very unique, absolutely. They, again, they sacrifice more to drill and participate with us than I think they actually get. Right, mm -hmm. right. So how difficult is it to have to complete the same training as their active duty counterparts? So the, the great thing about the reserve, it, it is um, the strategic reserve. So basically, when active duty is called upon, and we know since uh, 2001 they've been called upon quite a lot, uh, they can't fulfill every commitment out there. And so that's why we have a reserve force mm -hmm. on standby, ready to go. Um, the best part about the reserve, it comes at a 25% cost comparison to an active duty car counterpart. So they only cost 25% as much, but they're still ready to go. But they are fully trained. They, are, they look just like a, a an active duty person when they show up in uniform they are trained just like an active duty person but they do that in 39 days out of the year on average right. now some may drill more than that when we talk about air crew and the specialties but but in general they get 39 days out of each year to prepare themselves to be just like their active duty counterparts so is the res uh, the role of a reservist changing I don't think the the contextual nature of reservist has changed. With that said, the reserve is being utilized uh, at a lot greater frequency than in the past. So if we looked probably prior to 2001 and so between the, the Gulf War and, and 2001, there wasn't as many deployments. The reserve wasn't called upon nearly as much. Since 2001, the, the frequency of a reservist has probably been a little bit greater than just a strategic reserve. They've been, they've been used more of an, in an operational fashion to ensure we, we don't burn out our, our active duty counterparts. Because as we know, um, there, there's a lot of mission to go around the world right now. We just don't have all those people to do it. And that's where the reserve is, is filling in that gap. But again, at a, a price point that, that's very um, interesting and, and lucrative to the Air Force, <laughs> knowing that, that they have that surge capacity, but they only have to pay a quarter of the price for it. Right, right. You kind of touched on this just a little bit ago, but if a reservist and an active duty person are standing side by side, how can we tell them apart? The reservist is smiling. <laughs> <laughs> and probably better looking. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you can't, to be honest. And so again, I was downrange for a year at al Udaid Air Base in Qatar, and I, I went and flew a KC-135. I had no idea whether or not the, the maintainer that, that was uh, generating my aircraft was a reservist or active duty. You can't tell them apart. Uh, 
maybe on on base you you, you can see it a little bit different. When you go downrange, it, it's all one force, one fight, because we are relying on the reservists, the guardsmen, the active duty, the same as we would rely on anybody else in our unit. You you, you can't tell them apart, except right. I will tell you. Um, that as you have a conversation with them, you can tell them apart because the reservist may have a business that they left back home. Mm -hmm. a, a reservist may have a, a job that they left to go do this, whereas the active duty, um, our story isn't usually as robust as a reservist or a guardsman because mm -hmm. they have a whole nother world outside of the Air Force. I, I'll tell you, I, I feel very... Uh, uh, singularly dimensional when I talk to reserve because they have so much I, I, we have people that are running oil businesses here we have doctors we have students we have teachers I know about the Air Force and if we want to have a conversation about the Air Force I could engage you on multitude of topics we talk about the civilian sector I'm pretty one-dimensional there right. um, they bring a lot more to the conversation that I could ever bring right do, do you think um, was was that something that you knew early on in your active duty career? Like, did you did you ever have that concept of a reservist and the unique asset that they they are? No. Um, to be brutally honest, all I knew is that the reserve took all the good trips for me. <laughs> that, that's literally all I knew as an active duty member is if I wanted to go to Curacao, it wasn't going to happen because mm -hmm. the reserve or the guard was going there first, and and they had first shot at it. I had no idea about the complexities and, and challenges that a reservist goes through to handle both their personal life and, and then to drill on the weekend because they may not be local Oklahomans. Mm. They may be down in Texas. <clears throat> they, they could be across the country. They may be traveling and they may be paying their own airfare to get here just to drill just to have that that community uh, that feel from from the unit of wearing the uniform and doing the same job of service I, no i had no idea when when i was growing up active duty what really the reserve brought to the table minus the good trips it's a unique balancing act uh, they're rare individuals to pull that off it's an incredible balancing act yeah. I, again I, I feel so one-dimensional when we talk about them because they are balancing so much more. They are juggling. Let's be honest. I've never had to worry about where my next paycheck is coming from. Right. It is coming from the U.S. government for the past uh, 27 years of my life. They have businesses, mm -hmm. especially when you think about the corona and the impacts personally mm -hmm. that's had upon them, especially if they're a small business owner. It's incredible. But still, they still come here. They still drill and they still get the mission done. It's incredible. So. We were talking about ops tempo a little bit, and you, you mentioned a lot about 2001. With the ops tempo increasing so much over these past couple decades, how critical is the 507th to not only the total tinker force, but the total Air Force mission, the total force? So for the 507th, we, we bring a couple things to the table. One, we have a glorious eight beautiful KC-135s out on the ram. Uh, we bring global reach uh, to Air Mobility Command and, and Transcom and, and our geographic combatant camp commanders. Uh, we provide that support on call whenever it's needed. We're ready to go tomorrow if that's what the nation needed of us. Uh, along with that, we, we provide a 24-7 a uh, STRATCOM mission as well, an alert mission. And that's a little bit unique. Uh, most of the units don't have a, a dedicated 24-7 mission. So we are supporting our, our National Command Authority every single day through that mission. 
Um, and then outside uh, of the, the beautiful aircraft, we have all this agile combat support, whether it's uh, CE, which these could be uh, civil engineers that, that are working downtown and, and driving tractors for a living and then come drill with us and are ready to deploy forward. Um, we have our medical group, our medical squadron. Um, we sent some people forward for COVID and they were actually up in New York uh, giving some of the, the first line treatment to the patients uh, immediately in, in April and May of last year. When you think about the, the as the worst part of COVID was hitting New York, right. they were on the front line and they were literally taking care of patients, holding their hand as they were passing away since their family members couldn't be there. Awesome. Um, we offer a lot to our nation when called upon. But the problem is that it comes at the sacrifice again to our airmen. Mm -hmm. And in the reserve, um, they have been utilized and called upon more frequently than not. Right. But that's what we're here for. Right. We are a combat ready force. We are trained and equipped and ready to go and, and ready when called upon. Awesome. So, um, are air reserve technicians critical to the integration of reservists and active duty? Air reserve technicians, that is, um, that is unique. So first of all, let's talk about what an air reserve technician is. Um, if you saw somebody walking around in a uniform today, you would assume that they're, they're probably active duty or in, in an active status. Our technicians are dual status members. So during the week, they wear the uniform, but they're civilians. They could be GS-12s wearing the uniform, so they fall under normal uh, OPM guidance, mm -hmm. just like the rest of the, just like the other 15,000 civilians on this installation, okay. but they're wearing the uniform. And then when they come to drill, they change status, and then they enter into their, their military status. They are critical. They are the lifeblood of the Air Force Reserve Command. Uh, we would not be the organization we are today without our dual status technicians, our arts. Now that comes at a cost to them. Some of their active duty counterparts that wear the exact same rank as them get paid more than them because they follow OPM guidance during the weekend, I'm sorry, during the week, and then only when they're drilling are they in active status with the rank and that pay. Um, but the, the benefit of being an art is you could be in the same unit for decades. So when, when I think about, um, when I was at Seymour, we, we had, uh, again, an integrated wing between active duty and reservists, and we had some aircrew flight equipment people. And there was a, a tech sergeant, Art, that had been doing the same job with the KC-135 for 20 years. And now I've got a brand new young airman that's coming in on active duty and into the unit, knows, doesn't know anything about the KC-135 or aircrew flight equipment. They got to be mentored by somebody who's been doing that exact same job for 20 years and has seen everything, has done everything. Nothing's going wow. to surprise them. So when you think about the, the mentorship, the, the career development that, that our arts bring to the fight and for what they set up for as everybody rolls in on the weekend, all, all 1,400 people come into this wing on the weekend, the Air Reserve technicians are the ones that, that are making that happen. That's incredibly right. invaluable. Mm -hmm. um, and just as we wrap up, so, sir, how do the members of the 507th fit into the Team Tinker mission? Like, and I say, like I'll give a, uh, for instance, I know that I think some of the civil engineer people assisted with building the, the self-build-out fire station over here at Tinker, which was a, a huge undertaking 
Um, so how does their role overall fit into our, our team tinker? So let me, let me reverse that question just slightly. And I, I talk about Colonel Filchek every time I get a chance. Without the 72nd Air Base Wing existence and infrastructure and dedication to the mission and dedication to their partners, we don't exist. Again, we come at a significant cost savings compared to an active duty unit. We don't have the fiscal authority to own infrastructure like what the 72nd Air Base Wing does. Right. So first of all, we are dependent upon the 72nd to, to provide this amazing base that, that we work and we live on every single day. So I can't thank Colonel Filchak enough for what he does for all of his partner wings. And that's truly what we feel like here is, is we're partners with them. As partners, I don't want to be a resource drain. I, I wanna give back as much as I can, noting that uh, two thir- I'm sorry, three quarters of my force is a part-time force. So they descend on the UTA weekends and we have our full contingent here. But during the the week, we're we're usually a pretty lean organization. With that said, when we can give back, I want to give back. And I know our our CE squadron is one of the ways I can give back. Now, the problem is I I don't always have the the money to bring them in every single day and pay them to do uh, things around the base. But but as Colonel Filchek comes up with the money, I have the manpower. And it gives them training as well. It gives them the valuable training that that they can use towards their skill progression to be able to deploy downrange. So it's it's a win-win for everybody. Awesome. And and I'll say for me and April that we're pretty thrilled about Colonel Filchek as well. He's he's our boss. So I won't say any any other nice things about him. I'm not going to lie to you. If I do that, that's all I'm going to hear about is the nice things I say about him. So I I don't want to say too much. Right. Exactly. Well, sir, I, I think that's a great place to wrap up. Um, thank you so much for, for taking time and, and bringing your unique perspective to to the reserve unit here and, and your knowledge and, and skill set. Um, April, thanks for joining in yes, today. thank you. Uh, sir, again, appreciate you taking time out of your day. Can I do one last plug? You, well, of course you can. Well, first of all, thank sure. you, Mark and April, for allowing me to do this. And, yes. and anybody that wants to be an Okie, we're always hiring great active duty people to become reservists. So so please come seek <laughs> us out, and we'll take you in, and we'll give you a great family to, to work for. Um, but thank you for allowing me to tell the, the Okie story. Uh, again, I have amazing people in this wing. Uh, both when they wear the uniform and when they don't wear the uniform. They are the the, the citizen airmen that, that make this community as strong as it is. So thank you for allowing me to tell their story. Thank you, yes, sir. Thank you. And so with that, that does bring to close another episode of the Tinker Talks podcast. Uh, I'd like to remind everybody to make sure to check out our website. That's www.tinker.af.mil. And also check out the 507th website. They have a spectacular website. Um, And I can say that in in all knowingness, I used to work for the 507th many years ago. So that's 507ARW. Is that correct? 507ARW. Okay. And then also uh, check out our social media, Facebook and Instagram at Tinker Air Force Base and Twitter at Team underscore Tinker. And also check out the 507th Air Refueling Wings Facebook and Instagram page. They have a pretty cool Instagram page. I got to admit. They do some cool shots up there in the air while they're taking all the good yes, choice duties. Absolutely. <laughs> so with that, uh, everybody, please remember, uh, stay safe out there. The coronavirus is still around. It's still going. Um, we have just rolled back to HPCon Bravo Plus today, so that's good news, but we're not out of the woods. 
Um, and also, if you have not checked out the Tinker website page for a coronavirus page, please do. It's an incredible, robust resource for information. And uh, until next time, stay safe, treat each other with respect, and have a great day.